Hello and welcome to Net Zero for Nothing, the podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, governments and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. I'm your host, Anna Scothan, Chief Executive of the National Home Improvement Council. And in this episode, we're going to meet Paul Simpson from Rectocell Insulation and talk about why quality is the key to success in the race to net zero. In this member series, we introduce member companies of the NHIC to listeners, and we'll get to know better the thought leaders and inspirational people from across the home improvement sector. So let's get into today's episode of Net Zero for Nothing by welcoming Paul Simpson, Commercial Director at Rectocell Insulation. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for joining us today. I know you're keen to talk to us more about why you feel quality is the key to success. But before we get into that, I want to know a little bit more about you. You've worked in the insulation industry since 2007. I'd love to know how you first got into construction and more recently into home improvement product manufacture. Well, uh, I first got involved in construction uh, after working in the the rope factory in Gateshead and the uh, rope factory um, decided that the time was enough and ropes were moving on at a faster pace to make them. Uh, and I became redundant and joined a, a, an organisation called Calder Industrial Materials, which specialised in all kinds of weird and wonderful things, uh, not least of which was lead. And the Newcastle was very famous for the, the, the lead works. Um, and from there, I got involved in, in roofing and um, uh, particularly on hard metal roofing and, and, and lead um, and the retrofit market and slowly developed uh, a relationship uh, with the contractors and all the way through the supply chain, the merchants and the uh, distributors um, and found it to be a very incestuous uh, industry, to say the very least, um, but an industry that really cared. Um, it was ridiculous uh, little things like um, uh, lead workers taking photographs of the, um, the, the jobs that they'd done. There was more pride in, in, in their work uh, of lead than anything else, and they would show each other the work that they'd done and the quality of the of the work, and I'm very, very proud of it. And uh, sadly, in a lot of industries involved in construction, uh, I can't say the same. And mm. that's why it, it stood out as a big, big quality motive for me to, to, to get involved and, um, and also the, the, the making secure of buildings and um, the quality of life that people have in those buildings. Yeah, and how did you um, end up at Rectocell on the insulation side? Uh, again, uh, through misfits and being in the wrong place at the right time and uh, making a whole lot of bad life choices. <laughs> but um, yeah, I went from um, Cookson's, as it was then, uh, to work for a, a competitor, which is uh, Associated Lead Mills. Um, and I was there for um, Calder for sorry, Cookson's for. 12 years and uh, associated lead mills for uh, 12 years and then by accident thought I'd better have life as a change and went in insulation uh, and I've been in insulation now for the past 13 years which is um, 
is going so I've covered most of the uh, the jobs again specialised in roofing through uh, our sister company gradient where we put in the tapered um, insulation to help with drainage um, and 85% of our work there is through retrofit and, 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 and refurbishment basically turning poorly drained buildings and poorly insulated buildings into um, fit for purpose and uh, yeah, and giving good value. Um, and, and then graduated into being regional director and now commercial director of, of Rectorsville. So I'm, uh, I'm very honoured to work for a company that really cares. Yeah, absolutely. A, um, popular um, choice, you know, that it really, really does care. And um, uh, we make a difference. You know, we make people's lives better. And uh, there's not many industries where you can go home at night and actually think you've contributed positively to the world um, by making the insulation where everybody benefits. So, um, yes, it's commercial. Yes, we're in a capitalist environment, but we've got that care and nature around it as well. So really, really positive. Fantastic. And it's so interesting. And it, it goes to show that there are many different interesting career paths that people can take in construction. Um, and even if you don't enter like you didn't, and neither did I, we didn't enter via traditional sort of engineering routes in or trades routes in. There are really uh, you can still make a, a difference and have a really fulfilling career in the sector. Um, so wreck to sell specifically they produce you've mentioned a couple there but they produce thermal and acoustic insulation solutions they're manufactured here in the uk so I, you're um, from newcastle originally um but you're now down in the midlands you're in sort of my neck of the woods in the east midlands um it's all manufactured here in the uk producing pir rigid insulation products can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah, uh, well, Rectocell uh, has been in the UK on insulation for um, 12 years, producing in the UK, but it's produced over 20 years on some of its other products, uh, PU, bedding, and, um, and flexible foams. Um, so we we're well, well established in the UK market, but uh, Rectocell can trace its origins back to the Napoleonic Wars. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, make... tell me more. Well, it was a, a chemical company. Um, so in the, um, in the 1700s, it uh, made gunpowder. And um, it used to sell to both sides, apparently, which is uh, probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> probably kept the, the war going for a bit longer than <laughs> it known. But uh, yeah, and um, in the 1950s, it... Uh, it, it bought a, um, a license from Bayer to produce polyurethanes. Um, and from there, uh, polyurethanes, obviously bedding and automotive and then specialist uh, foams. And the last to get involved in polyurethane is the insulation. And obviously it's the, uh, the fastest growing sector uh, of, of Rectocell. And um, uh, because it's new, because it's exciting and the company has great values, it's a it's a great place to, to work. We don't get many people leaving us, um, telling us that they didn't wish they were 
they were back there. But yeah, we've got the um, the benefit of the history of the organisation, but then we've also got the, the future to, to look forward to as well. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Um, and I recently heard you speak passionately on behalf of Rectorcell um, as a guest in Parliament at the NHIC parliamentary debate. Um, and you were making the case, um, passionately and rightly so, that the um, action on climate change should be through the home improvement industry, a home improvement sector. Um, and you mentioned, it was interesting because it struck me, you were speaking a lot about the new build sector. Um, and in this country, um, we tend to think of sort of housing gen generically, but oftentimes regulation in particular will think of new build housing and then it will think of retrofit, which it calls home improvements or, or domestic refurbishment. And, and, and the RMI sector, repair, maintenance and home improvement sector has really been the Cinderella of housing and housing has been the Cinderella of construction because it's interesting and sexy and ministers can get their heads around it to talk about you know big road building or rail or big projects on the Thames and all those sorts of things are you know they're cool and exciting whereas you know sorting out you know three doors down on home improvements not necessarily as exciting and we're really lucky in the UK in that we have a diverse housing stock we've got the oldest housing stock in Europe and it's the worst performing as well um, but it makes it really exciting and that's why we get passionate about it and we love it and of course every person um, you know that, that that has a house lives in a house and um, it's an important thing that that house uh, works and is able to keep them warm safe uh, free from harm, et cetera, et cetera. But getting back to what you were talking about in Parliament was that success to reduce carbon in home improvement is connected to improving quality of new build. So can you expand on that for me a little bit? Yeah. Um, if, I'm, if, if I'm here, I need to take you back a little bit further behind that mm -hmm. in um, expectations. And, you know, when we go and buy a new house and it's all exciting and uh, we go and look at the garden and see how beautiful the garden is or the potential for the garden or, or not to have a garden if you're a certain way inclined. Um, and then we'll ask a question about, you know, what are the neighbours like? And then we might look at the aesthetics of the building. Is it the right colour brick? Um do the taps match in the bathroom? Or these days you can buy a house because it's got so many white goods included. But nobody ever asks about the thermal performance of the house, or, um, uh, you know, but whether the, the house is, is, is suitable, sustainable products. Um, we, we don't do that. You'd never buy a car the same way as you buy a house. You'd never buy it purely on aesthetics. And we all know there's lots of cheap makes of cars that make them look nice. But, you know, you'll, you, you, you'll find out in a few months' time when you have to get it towed away again. It's about performance. It's about uh, the house being able to breathe and live and, uh, and have the efficiency. So I would first of all say let's get our expectations as owners and occupiers of buildings 
to the correct level first and foremost. Yes, we all want to live in a nice location. Yes, we all want to have a lovely garden. Yes, we all want to have nice neighbours. But that should be the second, third and fourth questions. The first one should be, how much does this cost every month? Because it's pointless. Uh, burning fuels, fossil fuels, whatever it is, to keep your house warm if you have no insulation. And lost money, waste. And the whole point of uh, what we stand for is to reduce waste and, 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 and even up society. Um, with regards to uh, the fabric first approach, I think most people are aligned that, that fabric first approach is a sensible thing in that we should get it right first time. And the quality of the build should depend on legislation. Um, but that legislation should come down to a scientific view of performance. You can over-insulate the house. You can stop it breathing. You've got to understand how the house works. You, know, you can insulate a loft, but if you insulate it in the wrong place, um, depending on how your house is designed, you could create a condensation risk. Uh, I watch people um, putting insulation under the rafters, trying to turn the loft into another room, but they're cutting trusses rather than beams. They don't understand the way the construction works. So retrofit is, is great because we're going to make something better. But the trouble with retrofit is it's got to be down to the individual property rather than um, is, a, is a one size fits all. And that's why the emphasis is on the homeowner um, to, to, to get it right, because no one dares make a suggestion of, uh, of what we do. Um, and on that same front, getting the quality of the right um, is, is got to become down to um, a sort of capitalist outlook, if you like, and changing the perception of what the house builders do if, if they have large house bank, uh, land banks rather, uh, house builders uh, build on the uh, planning permission uh, of when it was granted and not necessarily the planning permission of when a house was built. Um, I know there's legislation in place to try and speed this up and change it. Um, and, and I'm sure everyone would say, oh no, we don't do that. We know it goes on because the quality of the housing that we've put in there um, is that's how the law works and that's what people work to the the law um, and that's something so, that's something that that a that a house buyer might not realize they might think i'm buying a new house therefore it's going to perform to current regulations um in the same way that if you buy a new car or a new white good you'd have an expectation or a new boiler, you would have an expectation that that is built to the current regulations. And that's not necessarily the case, is it? It can be built to up to 10 years old regulations. Yeah, easily. I mean, smaller developers tend not to have as much land available to them. It's the bigger ones that um, create more of the problem because they're, they're corporate, they're buying to speculate, to accumulate, and they're building within the law. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just that the stock doesn't meet the current regulations. 
Um, and this is why I think the issue is more governmental rather than um, the industry. The industry will work to whatever the law is and not break the law, but other laws fit for purpose. We need to change them. Um, but yes, you're right, really, you could be building a house to 2010 regulations and it's nowhere near the performance that it needs to be. Um, and we, we know we can build better and it's not going to cost that much more to deliver a perfectly running house. Um, but we seem to constantly be given grants to homeowners who aren't knowledgeable about what to do or how to do it to develop their, their homes um, and the possibility of doing things wrong. Whereas um, my biggest shout at the moment is, can we not incentivize the home builders to build better quality by giving them the grants and incentivize them to do it? It's more effective, it's more efficient, and the housing stock improves straight away. It's a real, real sad fact to think that until the law changes, we have to retrofit 80% of the housing stock that we're building now because it's <laughs> our standards. And... Yeah, I mean, across the UK, um, the number changes depending on which government department you're speaking to, but it's about 27, 28 million homes across the UK. Um, and, uh, you know, on a good year with a good wind behind us, new build housing is quarter of a million a year coming in. But that quarter of a million a year that's coming in, as you say, 80 plus percent of those as sold would need to be retrofitted because they don't meet the standards that is expected of retrofit. Exactly, exactly. It's Which a, is a bit nuts. Yeah, well, it's legal and that's the nuts bit about it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing anything wrong, but if you look at it in the cool light of the day, can we honestly say it's morally correct? And this is why it has to be legislation rather than industry-led mm -hmm. and that's what you were campaigning for um when you spoke at, at the parliamentary debate um about it um but what what more do organizations and, and people like yourselves in in Rectocell and, and organizations like yours what what more do they can they do and, and do you do to try and help the market be um better and help influence uh, officials that are that are making policy. Yeah. Um, well, this is where I get quite ashamed with myself because we should be doing a lot more as as individuals, and uh, we're all busy, uh, and we're all trying our, our, our very best, and we all have opinions and want to do the great things. But um, we've got to do things now, and uh, we try to um, make people aware through our uh, CPD presentations for architects, um, to uh, put new perform performance products in, so we can tell people, look, you can hit the product's performance now, rather than build um, to, to poor standards. But the top and bottom of it is, if there's no incentive uh, placed in the right place, people aren't going to do that. They're going to comply with the law, and these are the shareholders that they need to to supply um, what our um, necessity is the 
the mother of invention. And if the legislation is there to make it, a change happen, then industry will, will find how to do that change in the most cost-effective way. But until that change is required, it will remain the same. It will remain the same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 a shame that there's there's always um the term is used a lot, whether it's you know minimum building regulations, minimum standards, minimum performance standards, minimum technical competency. And it it shouldn't be that that's the minimum we aspire to. It should be that that's the minimum allowed and we are um, you know, proud to be better than. But as you say, you've you're you invest and produce products that are better than um but a, a a minimum standard there's a bit of a and it comes back to your your quality issue that you were talking right at the beginning there's that it'll do it's not breaking the law it's it's meeting minimum requirements um but so how do we how do we get about changing that culture and and do you think it can only be through regulation that it, it's just got to be minimum isn't good enough or, or we're raising minimum? Um, so, so what do you think? How can we how can we start well, to look at that? I, I'm of that age where I've seen a lot of change in the world. And uh, what was acceptable when I was growing up in the uh, 60s and 70s isn't acceptable now. And it's all on um, people's perceptions and expectations. And the world has changed for the better in many, many uh, ways. Sadly, housing has got better. There's no doubt about that. But the perceptions that we put on uh, and the expectations that I mentioned earlier about where we want to live, everybody wants to have made it. And if you look back at the 60s and 70s, compared to where we live now, I would say the vast majority of people are a lot better off and have, have different standards. However, we can do better. And we still have fuel poverty. The NHIC was created in the 70s for the same reasons as there are now. It's for the weakest in society that don't have a voice. And um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate that we should be looking after as an industry, the weakest in society. And uh, the rest of us can, can go and buy new houses, can go invest uh, uh, bonuses uh, that we've created by working hard. Uh, no problem about that. I'm not talking about some kind of communist utopia. What I'm just talking about is just protecting the weakest in society. You know, um, a, a, see a young single parent family having to make the choice of do the kids have a tea, do they get to have the heating on, or do they get to play, uh, play on the PlayStation or whatever electronic game it is these days. These shouldn't be O's. They should be ands. And it's really, really sad to think that the rest of society doesn't put enough value in those people for the sake of just a, a few quid of, mm. of building the house properly in the first place. Um, yeah, and I, and I and include myself in that. I'm, you know, barely ashamed to, uh, to, to admit that, that we don't put enough into the weakest in society and we don't look after them. And, and we should. It's it's that's what makes the world different. Yeah, and and you do. You know, you you work for an organisation that puts back and invests in making better products that can, you know, be be um, put into homes to make them better. So, 
don't be too hard on yourself you you do 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 a lot and you support organizations like the NHIC that are are bringing awareness to a lot of these issues and working closely um, as best as we can with the influencers to help them see that um, the other third, as we're commonly called, of construction is is quite complex and nuanced, but that's not something to be frightened of. Um, but it probably means that mass industrialised solutions aren't going to work because every home is different. Even if you live in a terraced street that were originally built all exactly the same, over the years of different families living in those homes, they're going to be different. They've been maintained differently. They've been decorated differently. Somebody, even, even in our own homes, we're living in them differently because of the COVID pandemic. We are living in them differently than we were before. We're working from home more. We are in the homes more. We've got home offices. We've converted the garage to become a home office. So, well, every home is different. And yes, lots of it can be um. Uh, streamlines and lots of the processes can be smoothed and products can be improved around that which organizations like yourselves and other members of the council are working on but it but it isn't um it isn't a one-size-fits-all cookie cutter approach to domestic repair maintenance and home improvement but i will just add before i move on to my next question around um, net zero for nothing i will just add that we are we have got you know 1.2 1.5 million home improvement professionals that are members of competent person schemes that do want to do a good job that pay their taxes that get themselves trained that use quality products that are there that people need to make sure that when they do get their home improvement done they use a competent person and don't use the gray economy because you you you're not going to be getting the most for your money no you're absolutely right i think um yeah talk about getting it right first time but we we do have to uh look at you know the retrofit is absolutely necessary if we're going to make a difference um to the performance of this planet as well you know the resources uh, are, are diminishing and and, and and falling away we have to act now yes there are a lot of competent people that will will assess and and, and advise and, and, and um, make sure that things get done properly. And I think the biggest fear I have is people cut the corner and try to do it themselves. Yes, it might be uh, visible as a, uh, all right, it's a, I'm going to save a few quid here. But if you get it wrong, it could be creating a whole host of other problems. And this is why I'm a big advocate of getting it right first time. And if you don't get it right first time, let's do it properly the second time with a mm. proper trained assessor who's uh, competent and can give the right advice. Get it right first time, new build. Get it right second time for your repair and maintenance. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the way you do that is using professional. But as you know, the name of this podcast is Net Zero for Nothing. And I like to ask this question of every one of my guests. Um, so what can listeners do for nothing, if possible, or certainly less than £100 that will make a huge impact on their domestic energy bills today and also prepare their home for the future? I was, uh, I've thought long and hard about this question for a long time because... Um, Everybody I've told within my industry 
Um, we've got a hundred pound budget. What do we do? They've all laughed at me. Oh, um, because the products are, are, are so expensive. But do you know what? If you take it right back down to basics, it's about keeping warm and healthy. Um, the first thing I would do is say buy some decorators coke and make sure you've sealed all the way around your windows and, and door frames because the drafts make a, one heck of a difference. Um, so draft exclusion is the first and foremost and keep the, the constant. Um, and, um, and rather flippantly, keep yourselves warm, especially the elderly. If you can't afford to heat the house, dress properly. You know, um, Fine said there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just going to put up your clothes. And, and I, you know, I stick by that as well. Especially old people, keep warm, spend the money on a jumper. So they, they was two very, very simple things. One, seal, seal the drafts. Two, put a jumper on and you can keep warm and healthy that way. Absolutely. And there is so much free good advice out there on, you know, your own website, Rectocell, um, the NHIC's website, partners like the Energy Saving Trust. I would say educate yourselves. The internet is a fantastic free resource. Loads of organisations are giving away advice completely for free. Make sure that you understand about your home and understand how to make those simple things like using decorators court going round round your um all of your doors and windows and and making sure that you've got your draft exclusion in place but but understanding get yourself educated on on how to do it and, and understanding even you know what type of building are you living in you know some people might not know but it'll be on your your mortgage documents it'll be on your deeds if if nowhere else and you, can, you again you can find it on the internet and you can even get the EPC rating for your um, dwelling on the internet completely for free. And that gives you advice on simple things to do as well. So there's, there's plenty of information out there. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and thank you for listening to this episode of net zero for nothing from the national home improvement council, the voice of home improvement. Be sure to follow us across social media, searching for at the NHIC and subscribe to this podcast, Net Zero for Nothing, on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes.